The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Let's get in the word. 1 Samuel chapter 8, here we are. Israel demanding a king. Verse 1, now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now, it says that Samuel made his sons uh, judges over Israel. It did not say that was the Lord's will, right? So we'll come back to that, but just know that it seems as wonderful and incredible as a man of God as Samuel was, it seems to be uh, later in life he had slipped up a bit here by perhaps giving his sons more responsibility than they were willing to handle, or perhaps it was outside of the will of the Lord. Verse 2, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and they perverted justice. Man, I want to pause there. It's so saddening when we see this happen, right? We talked about it in earlier in the book of 1 Samuel where we saw Eli, right? Where Eli had his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They, were, they too were wicked. They too did not walk in the ways of the Lord. Eli was faithful. His sons were not. Samuel, faithful man of God, his sons were not, right? And I think the lesson here is, is, is a few things, one of which is I don't, it doesn't give us any insight as to how Samuel did or did not parent his children, right? Um, but man, it is, you know, I read this and I like, I, admittedly, I was a little taken over with concern, right? Like I always worry about my kids. I mean, like this is a absolutely uh, upside down world that we live in, you know? And, and I mean, I, I first it, it was concerned about my own kids, but a second, I mean, as a youth pastor here at the church, was concerned for my youth, you know, and that's something I pray for them every day over is just that they would not be consumed in the world, that they would not be transformed into the image of what someone looks like on earth, rather be conformed into the image of God, right? And so I uh, just am challenged and reminded to be like consistently faithful in teaching my kids the ways of the Lord. Like it says, teach your kids the ways of the Lord. I want to share with you guys, man, it is not the church's responsibility to raise your kids up in Christ. Did y'all hear me? It's not the church's responsibility. It ain't on me. It's not on Jimmy. It's not on Abby, Molly, Corey, anybody. It is on you, mom, dad, right? It's on you to teach, teach your children the ways of the Lord, and when they grow old, they will not depart from it. That's a promise from the Lord. Y'all need to rest on that, but you also need to own that, okay? You have to teach your kids about Jesus. Here's the truth. If you don't know how to teach your kids about Jesus, if you don't know how to teach the word, but you know that you're saved, then what? You need to be discipled. We talked about that last week, right? Know where you are. If you can't teach your kids the word, you need to be taught the word. And that will happen in discipleship, right? So just be honest with yourself. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've taught my kids the word. I don't know if, if I can do that. Am I qualified? Am I equipped? You know? So just let that one soak, okay? Um, verse 4. Oh, I'm sorry. The other thing I wanted to say was on this point, verse 3. Um, is, man, sometimes we do put expectations on our kids, though. 
We, sometimes we, uh, you know, we have a, like, like me, like God has a calling on my life and I'm, I am doing my best to live that out, but I'm perfectly okay and need to be comfortable with the fact that that may not be what God calls my sons to or my kids to. Like, it is not a failure, and I want my kids to know this, Gabriel, Joshua, Sadie, and number four coming. If you guys are not pastors or land salesmen or whatever, you're not a failure. Like, just be faithful to what God has for you, and I will encourage you and, and, and pray you guys through that. You know, I want them to listen to this 20 years from now and know that I, that still is true. So um, I don't want them to feel any pressure. You know, you always hear about pastor's kids. They go rogue, right? And it happens. It absolutely happens. Um, but, you know, I just, I think a lot of that is just a, 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 a head, they feel the pressure, man. They feel the weight of the kingdom of God that comes down on them from their father, particularly, right, if he's called to ministry. And so it's just like, man, I don't want my kids to feel that weight. If God calls them to it, I want them to rise to the occasion, right? I want them to obey and do all that God has commanded them. But if he doesn't have a lot of, you know, pastoral ministry ahead for them in the capacity that the Lord has me, and that's fine, you know? God can use them outside uh, of, of the, the roles that he's using me in. So Anyway, verse 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah, that's where he lived, and said to him, look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways and now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Ooh, that's the nasty part, right? It wasn't that they asked for a king, it was that they wanted to be like all the other nations, right? God had already promised them to give them a king. It is all the way back in Deuteronomy, God had promised that he was going to create, excuse me, a monarchy in the nation of Israel, right? And so this is, we're in a transition period. This is a pivotal chapter in all of human history, particularly in the nation of Israel. It's a very important chapter in scripture where we go from the judges over the nation of Israel, right? Where they, these were divine men. These were nomadic type leaders. They, they, were, they were not priests, right? Uh, they were not kings, they were judges. They were moral accountability uh, for the nation of Israel, right? They were faithful men of God that were raised up within the body to be able to minister and judge and communicate the things of the Lord to the people. And so we're in this transition now where they're going to be going into a monarchical type realm, right? And so that was promised, but they're actually kind of rushing the, ru rushing the buck here, right? I was, I'm reminded of... Uh, Abraham, right? Abraham and Sarah, right? God promised Sarah a child. Like he promised her a child. It, that was from the Lord. Like God doesn't false on it, fault on his promises, right? He doesn't default on his loans. So, uh, but yet they sped up the process. And if you remember, the, you Bible students know that they had a maidservant by the name of Hagar, right? Abraham and Sarah had Hagar as a maidservant. Sarah was frustrated that she wasn't having the child that the Lord had promised. She thought God must have gone silent on her. So she convinces Abraham to sleep with Hagar, and they bear a child, right? And his name was Ishmael, okay? Ishmael was a disaster for them. In fact, Ishmael is still, to this day, a disaster for all of us as the descendants of our friends in the Middle East that are wreaking havoc upon the nation of Israel, God's people are indeed the descendants of Ishmael, okay? So just know they sped up the process. Now, God didn't fault on his promise. Indeed, Abraham did 
go into his wife Sarai, and at 90-something years old, she did bear a child, and they called his name Isaac, and from Isaac, the lineage of the nation of Israel would indeed uh, press on, right? And so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on and so forth. So anyways, I'm kind of reminded of that here. God's promised them a king. They're rushing it here, though. They're going outside the will of the Lord to please themselves, and so uh, verse six says, but the thing displeased Samuel. Man, his heart was hurt by this. Like he, he's disappointed when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. I love that. Verse six, Samuel prayed to the Lord. He didn't run to his friend. He didn't outburst in frustration. He didn't do anything but go sit with the Lord. When things happen in our lives, when we get frustrated, when we get tripped up, when there's confusion we need to go pray to the Lord. Just take it to the Lord in prayer. There is nothing more beneficial that we could do that would bring us more clarity in an uncertain situation than to pray to the Lord. Simple, not always easy to do. Simple, we don't often execute, right? May that not be so. And the Lord said in verse 7 to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Wow. What an encouragement, though, man. The Lord tells Samuel, heed, heed to them, man. Make them a king. They want a king, Samuel. They don't want me. They want a king. And so true is us and our experience with the world. Guys, listen to me on this. When you're sharing your faith, when God opens the door to present an opportunity to share the gospel, your percentage rate, <laughs> your close rate, if it was sales, is going to be super low, okay? Super low. Like, but don't take it personal. Don't take it personal when God opens the door and you're, you're courageous and faithful to present the word of God, whether you're sharing your testimony, whether you're sharing them, John chapter three, you must be born again, like Jesus told Nicodemus, whether you're telling them John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whatever it is that God is leading you to tell them and share them, to give them hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus, whatever they do with that is not on you. Don't take it personal. It's like when I make a sales call, right? Hey, Mr. Jones, how you doing, man? I see that you got your farm listed for sale. You know, man, you're 30% over market value. <laughs> There's 0% of people that will pay 30% over market value for a farm. Let me help you get your farm priced right, you know, and uh, let's get your farm sold and get you the money that you need to go on and do the things you want to do in your life, you know? Heck no, buddy. Don't call again. No problem, buddy. No problem. It's not personal. Don't take it personal. You know what I do? I call the next guy, right? I can't help that guy. He can't help him. Same is true spiritually. We can't help the guy that doesn't want Jesus. We can't help the girl that wants to continue in her, her, her poor self-identity and in, in, in her uh, false idols in her life and, and then the guy that's running his family into the ground and the, and the guy that is so lost he can't see his head from the hole in the ground. We can't help that person if they don't want to know Jesus, if they're not receptive to the truth of the word of, the, word of God, Dust it off of your feet and move on. Go into the next home, like Jesus said. No big deal, right? Don't take it personal. But so often, listen to me, so often we 
lack courage, we lack confidence, we lack motivation to share with people the things of faith in our life, the truth of the word of God. We lack uh, any sort of um, um, boldness around sharing our faith because we're so concerned how they're gonna receive it. Who cares? Like, I would be so broke, I would have no money if I never called anybody because I was scared of rejection. For every 20 calls I make, one of them says, yeah, sure, man, come see me, see if you can help me out. 19 of them all say, screw you, buddy, no thanks, call me two weeks from now, don't ever call again, you stink, whatever. That's okay, it's not personal, they don't know me, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter, I'm trying to help them out, if they don't want my help, no problem. And I'm not mad at them, don't be mad at people either when they don't receive the Lord Jesus. They too will die in their sin, says the word of God. That's between them and the Lord. So just let that encourage you. Um, Don't not be bold in sharing your faith because you're concerned about the other person and how they're gonna receive it. D group leaders, listen to me. Don't be uh, scared to share the truth of the word of God with your people in your discipleship group. They need it. And don't worry about whether they receive it or not. Don't worry whether they repent of their sin or not. Let that be between them and the Lord Jesus. That's a relationship between them and the king. Let him handle it. You just be faithful to share the word in love and truth. That's it. That's that's the message from the Lord. Verse nine, now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them. Woo, God's coming with a warning. He does that often. Solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. He's he's about to tell them, hey, we're going to give them a king. We're going to give them what they want. Go ahead and forewarn them, though. Let's let them know what life's going to be like with this king, okay? Samuel's tuning in. So uh, he says, verse 10, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He'll take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, some to make his weapons of war and equip for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and he will give them to his servants." He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and, he, and give it to his officers and servants. And he will, if that's not enough, and he will take your male servants, your female servants, and your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He'll take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And listen to this, verse 18. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Woo! He's not gonna hear you, okay? When we put other kings in our lives, when we put things up before God to seek out our own happiness, he's not hearing you, okay? He's still there, he still loves you, and Jesus still died for you, but he's not listening to your groaning. Why didn't this thing work? Like it says uh, in, elsewhere in the New Testament, don't go to this city or that city and say, well, we will go live a, here, live a year or two here or there. We'll go to this and make money to, and save up some cash. And do. He says, don't do that. Your life is not your own. But, but you, have the sovereign, you have the free will of man 
weighing between the sovereignty of God, right? Here's the truth. God is sovereign and his will will be done in your life. But we also have a free will. The Bible sits right in the middle of that. The gospel sits right in the middle, man. Like we have the free will to do anything and everything we want. God told Samuel, heed their voice, man. Give them a king. I, God, frankly, is saying, I am tired of hearing their groanings and they're not going to appreciate the king that I will provide them, so go ahead and give them their own. What I love about the Lord, though, is, and I believe this with my whole heart, I believe that God let them choose for their, themselves a king so that when God actually showed them the king that he had promised, they would go, wow. They would appreciate David, right? The promised king was David. The chosen king by the people was Saul, right? We'll get into that in here in a little bit. But I strongly believe God allowed the people to raise up Saul and so they would see that it would suck and that there would be corruption. And Saul was, man, he had a temper. It says that he was head and shoulders above everyone else. It says he was the most handsome man in all of the land. Saul was quite a dude. He was a spectacle of a man. He was a man's man, right? He was tall, big shoulders, had all the fancy armor, man. He had a loud, booming voice, slick comb over, I'm convinced. Man, he was a stud, but boy, did he have a temper, man, and it got the best of him, and he absolutely made a complete mess of himself and the nation of Israel. But when little David, the, the slingshot-throwing, giant-slaying David, comes on the scene as the king that God promised them, man, they love David. They thought he, then he, at eight, nine, ten years old, they were like, he's the king, right? Hail King David, right? And so, and he was hardly ready, ready for that. But I do believe that. And so let that be a, a testament of hope for you, though. We are going to blow it. We do put kings up in our lives. We do give other people the throne than Jesus in our lives. But sometimes God lets that happen. He lets it happen so that when we come back to his promises, come back to his word, we come back to the foot of the cross, we can, we can taste its goodness Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? So uh, verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. So they, dis they completely disregarded the warning, right? Just completely disregarded. They're like, whatever, give us a king. So no, uh, but we will have a king over us, verse 20, that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make him a king. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. It's almost like, and this is, I kind of feel a, a, a pause here. Samuel's like, he's frustrated. He's old in years. He judged them faithfully for 40 years, it says. His son's kind of made a mess. He realizes he made a mistake. Now the people are groaning for a king. He knows this is going to destroy the nation. He's like, everybody go home. And God told me to raise up a king. I'll do it whenever I feel like the Lord says go. But it's just this pause, right? It's just this, it's this dead period. There's deadness in the air, right? It's just, there's this waiting period of like, geez, man, what, when, okay, we're gonna have to wait this thing out until I appoint a king. But that happens to us too, man. Like when we, when we have made a choice, we've made a decision, doing something contrary to the will of God, 
And the Lord's like, let it ride, man. Let it ride. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's going to produce some frustration. It's going to be difficult to watch, but let it happen. There will be long, unfortunately for us, as was true for the Israelites, there were long seasons where the Lord just, we didn't, they didn't hear from the Lord. The silent ears, right? The, uh, the, the, the pause of God in their life. Like it just, sometimes when we, when we go wayward from the, op, from the direction that the Lord wants us to go, it, it feels silent. It feels kind of dead. Church is not quite as fun anymore. We're not very motivated to make disciples. We don't pray a lot. We listen to a lot less worship music and a lot more worldly music. We start attending more worldly events than church events, we, right? You just drift, and that's the work of Satan, right? It says narrow is the, is the way to heaven and leads to eternal life. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, right? Satan, all he's got to do from the beginning is just go, eek, just a little bit. And what happens? Over time, that fork in the road becomes really, really long, right? And what we need to do is be reminded of last week where Jesus said, man, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and will repent and will seek my face, I will hear their land and restore them, right? That's a promise from God. And so no matter how far you feel like you are from the Lord today, just know that, man, you can be transmitted right back to the narrow path, right right back on the way that leads to eternal life, right back on the path of hope filled with promises from Scripture in an instant. And it happens through repentance. It happens through prayer. It happens through returning your heart to the one who saved you, okay? Chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man at Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, and the son of Aphi, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. I kind of alluded to that a second ago. You know, Saul, man, he he was quite a studly guy. And we'll actually get into next week, uh, we will get into this, uh, the, the life of Saul. And I'll tell you, I'll warn you, don't be, don't be deceived, man. Saul, at first, will kind of win your heart. You're like, yeah, man, Saul's pretty sweet. He's tall, he's strong, he's a mighty warrior. And in fact, he means really, really well when he starts out his reign as king. He's got, he, he's got good intentions, but we will find that his heart was not aligned with the Lord and ultimately ended up in destruction. One of the greatest lies that I hear in the world today is this idea that you just got to be a good person. You just have to have good motivations. If I open the door for elderly people, you know, as long as I feed a few homeless, you know, if I give, if I give some money away, whether it's the church or the United Way or who cares where it goes, it doesn't matter. You know, just like, is I'm a good person? If I'm nice to people, am I kind? Do I love? That is a lie, dude. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is. It is not about that. It's not about your performance And I promise you, the Bible says there's none righteous, not one. Not one. You're talking about the chief of sinners right here. And there's not a righteous person. Paul said it himself, man, I am the chief of sinners. Nobody blows it like I do, right? And I feel like I would argue that. (laughs) I would win that award. 
But man, just don't let that fool you. And don't let the people of the world fool you with that. That's crap. That's not in scripture, you know? And the, the, you know, Saul is a perfect example of that. His motivations were good, and we'll see that next week, man. Paul, Saul was, was, a, he was a crafty character, man. He appeared to be really, like, got things going on on the outside. But God's not impressed. He's not impressed by your good works, man. He's not impressed you're a nice guy. He's not impressed of anything unless you are found in Jesus Christ. Unless you're a born-again child of the king, surrendered at the cross, blood poured over your sin, holy and forgiven, proclaimed righteous because you believe upon the Lord, that is what the Lord cares about, okay? And, and you have got, if you're going to evangelize, if you're going to make disciples, if you're going to pursue uh, and, and grow the kingdom of God and let the spirit of God work in your life, you got to communicate that. You absolutely have to communicate that. That is a lie that the world is super confused on. All right, all of that comes down to this. Point number one. Now I'll move through this pretty quick. Sometimes God heeds our own voice. It will often end up to our own dismay, but he will teach us through it. Sometimes God heeds our own voice, but it will often end up to our dismay, but he will teach us through it. A lot of times, man, we don't listen to the Lord. I'm guilty of that, man. There's so many times in my life I haven't listened to the Lord, and it's frustrating. Like, for one, when God told us to move to Kansas City, we did. We moved to Kansas City after much trial and resistance. We finally moved up here. We spent a year here, and then, man, we're like, all right, Lord, we came, we did it, we're gone. We packed up our house, put an offer on a place back in downtown Rogers, and we were out of here, man. We were done. I was like, Lord, I did it. I checked the box. Isn't that good enough? Like Corey said when, after worship, 99%, man, you got it, Lord. That was all yours, man. But this 1%, it's mine. I'm out. I'm done with Kansas City. Didn't want to move up here in the first place. I'm over it. I wasn't listening to the Lord. I didn't heed his voice. And so what did he let me do? He let me put a down payment on a house in Rogers that I lost earnest money on. He let me pack up my whole freaking house and spend like two weekends packing up stuff that I eventually had to unpack and re-put in the same house. Right? Frustrating. But the Lord's like, dude, you, you did it, not me. You're the one like rushing out of here, man. Right? It's the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God is sovereign. He's like, no, dude, you will be in Kansas City. But man, you can, you can dibble and dabble and make a mess of yourself in the process. I'll let you do that. And he will teach us through it, right? I learned a lesson about waiting upon the Lord in that moment. Hard lesson to learn, but I'm glad I learned it, right? Point number two, God has warned us about putting any kings other than Jesus on the throne of our lives. He's warned us. Today is a warning for all of us to make sure that we're not putting anything other than the Lord Jesus on the throne of our life. We all have kings that are trying to climb up to the throne. We, all, we got a lot of Sauls. They're good looking. They're willing and able. Very, very able kings, you know? Man, if you, if you do what the world tells you to do, right? If you have a kid at 25, or get married at 25, kid at 30, you know, start your own business at 40, man, retire by 60, you know, save up money for health insurance. If you do all those things, like, you can produce some degree of happiness. That's a formula that, like, kind of works, but not really, right? Um, but, man, when you just let the Lord sit on the throne, when you let the Lord guide your every single move, when you just say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you, and I want all things in my life to be of benefit to your kingdom forever, 
then it makes life a heck of a lot easier, I promise. Point number three, other kings or idols in our life can be incredibly attractive in appearance, but they're like fool's gold and leave us bankrupt when we invest in them. They leave us bankrupt. I remember Jimmy did a series. I don't remember the name of the series. Uh, Ripoff? Corey, what was the name of that series? Ripoff? Was that what it was? I think it was. I, 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 th- I, think, it, I, think, it, I think it was. It had the snake. I, I remember that. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot. Um, y'all should listen to that, man. It's a good series. And Jimmy talks about in that series, man, don't get ripped off. Don't get ripped off. Fool's gold? You know, you, like you show up to the little Amish fair, you know, and you're like, woo, kids, look at the gold, woo. And it's like, how much, how much for the gold, buddy? He's like, $30, man. I'm like, great, woo. You know, and I take it home and I try to sell it at another, you know, little, and I'm like, dude, that's not worth anything, bro. That's a rock. That's a, that's a spray-painted rock, dude. You know, oh, man, I got ripped off. You know, yeah, ripped off. The devil is in the rip-off business, man. He is slinging fool's gold, man. You talk about a salesman, dude. That guy is hustling, okay? Don't get ripped off. Don't put these kings, they're attractive. Fool's gold looks like gold. Saul looked like a king, man. He looked good, but he was not fit. He was not ordained by God. He was not there with divine purpose. He was there with earthly motives in mind, right? Like God warned the people, he's gonna put, he's gonna make, he's gonna put you to work for himself, right? He's gonna, he's gonna have you riding his horses, slaving in his fields, making money for him, right? That's what you're gonna do. That's what you're doing when you do not put Jesus on the throne and instead you put the devil on the throne. You cannot serve two masters. You got one king, and if it ain't Jesus, it's Satan. That's heavy, but it's true because you've been deceived if you put anything other than Jesus on the throne in your life and he's ripping you off. You're working your butt off, man. You're trying to get to retirement. You're trying to pay for that health insurance. You're trying to raise that family. You're trying to do marriage right. You're trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to. He is ripping you off. You're working for him. It's the difference between a slave and a bond servant. When we put anyone other than Jesus on the throne in our life, we become a slave to the devil. And a slave does not work for any wages. A slave does not, a slave barely lives A slave is no better than the walking dead, like a zombie. That's a slave. A bondservant, the difference is, a bondservant, they would put, they would take a slave, the master would set them free. And then, but the slave would say, but master, I want to be here. I want to work for you. I want to, I know that I'm free, but I want to be yours. And the master would say, great, put your ear on this doorpost he would drive a little earring, a little stake in their ear, and they would be called bond servants. A bond servant was given the benefits of the entire plantation. All the benefits of the farm. All the crops could be theirs. They could eat of the fruits of the fields. They could stay in the home. They could do anything that they wanted. They were free when they were welcome in the house of the master. That's how we are as bond servants. That's the difference. The life of a bondservant and the life of a slave. Both of them were working the same fields, both of them with very, very different lifestyles. May we be bondservants to the Lord Jesus, like Paul said, not slaves to Satan when we put other kings on the throne of our life. Big idea. It's on us. It's on us. We have the authority to choose what's priority in our life. We do. We have the authority to choose priority in our life. Jesus, I've said this before, I'll say it again because I always remind myself this. Jesus Christ should be number one on a list of one. 
Like he's on a list by himself. Like he is the Lord. He's on a list all by himself. Man, and never in my life have I been busier than I am right now. Never. And it's awesome. I love it. I see the work of the Lord in and through all of it. When Jesus said, therefore, as you are going, make disciples, that means as I've called you into the life that you're living, make disciples, man. Teach your kids about Jesus. Preach the word of God at a listing appointment. Do, the, you know, do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom in all that you're doing. And so that is my heart's pursuit. But never have I been busier in my life. And I'm constantly having to remind myself, is Jesus number one on a list of one Lower than that would be, is he number one, just barely above everything else I need to do? Or is he like number 10 on a list of, I got to provide for my family. I need to eat. I got to work out. I need to do Right? And I got to do all of it. But I have got to put Jesus on the throne before I do any of it, or it will all be in vain. Right? Like Jesus said, I will separate the wheat from the chaff, man. Like the, the, um, the, the things that are consumed in the fire, you know, like the precious stones. When the fire gets turned up, the precious stones last, but all that other stuff burns up. It's wood, hay, and stubble, what the scripture says, right? Make sure we're not laboring or toiling for wood, hay, and stubble. Man, that's all going to get consumed in the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. That's what the scripture says. He's hot. And man, all that stuff that burns up in there is of no kingdom value. So I'm always checking myself. Lord, are you number one on a list of one? Or are you number one on a whole list of crap I feel like I got to do? Or are you even, even worse, man? Are you just in there somewhere? Like, am I just finding enough time for you five minutes at 9.30 at night because I, I had everything else on that list to do and I'm feeling shame and now I'm in the word for five minutes and I read through it, don't comprehend it, eat a bowl of cereal, watch a hunting show and go to bed. <laughs> Happens. I'm guilty, dude. I'm guilty, man. I stand before you convicted, right? And so, man, let that be a lesson for us, dude. That is not a healthy Christian rhythm. Okay, so let's close with this. Um, at this time, I actually, I'd like to invite the ushers forward. And, uh, but I want to pray uh, as I invite them up. And um, I'm just, I'm encouraged, man. Like when the Lord speaks to us, like when the Lord, when his word uh, comes to fruition, as we talk about um, the, the, this ushering in in chapter eight of um, uh, this monarchy, right? Like we have a monarchical lifestyle as Christians. Jesus is our king, okay? And so let him be our king. He's a good king, man. He, he may not be as tall as Saul was, <laughs> but man, don't let it fool you. He is a good king, man. We have a faithful, faithful savior in Jesus Christ. So bow your hearts with me um, as we close the service in prayer. Lord, thank you for Samuel, Lord. Thank you that he heeded to your voice, Lord. It hurt his heart to do what you, uh, what the people were asking for, Lord. But nonetheless, you had a lesson for them, 
And Lord, if you can love such a stubborn and stiff-necked people, you can definitely love me, Lord. You can definitely love us, and you do. You love us so much that you gave your son Jesus for us. He died a brutal death on the tree for us. Like the shame and the guilt that our sin should carry over our lives, we carry, it's no more. It's, our sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west. Like the song we sang this morning, Lord, yeah, your, your love ran red, right? Through your blood and my sin washed white. Like you just, you absolutely in an instant took our sin away. And so that is the gospel, Lord. We rejoice over that this morning. Lord, I pray you bring our beloved Jimmy back home to us this next week. Lord, I will be preaching one more series. So Lord, give me faith and courage to bring the word strong for another week. But bring beloved Pastor Jimmy back to us and we can rejoice in a man of God that's leading this flock really well. Pray that he slays a bunch of fish, Lord, and has a great time resting in you, Lord, hearing from you on how you want to grow and develop this church, not for OPCC, but for your glory, Jesus. May you be our king in this church and in our lives and in our homes and in our businesses. Help us with that. We are weak, Lord. You are strong. Do what you will with this offering, Lord. It's the least we could do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.